It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and today is Friday. We are ending our first full week of the new year, 2022, and uh, a great show in store. But first, um, a new thing that I've started doing at the top of each show is a way of just making myself feel a little better about all the dumb things I've said on the show over the years. Um, My sister gave me uh, a little stocking stuffer uh, for Christmas that has um, a different dumb thing that's been posted or said or uh, reported um, for each day of the year. In fact, it's called 365, uh, the 365 stupidest things ever said. And um, I thought what I would do, just so it, it doesn't seem like I'm the only person who says dumb things, or at least I won't feel like I am, um, I would share one of these at the beginning of the show each day. And <laughs> Here's one that uh, that comes up over the weekend. Um, here's actually it's actually a couple. Uh, since it's Friday, we'll do two. Um, this this comes from an answer on an exam at the University of Gloucester in uh, the UK. Sex has puzzled biologists ever since it was discovered by Darwin and Mendel. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I've said anything that dumb, but here's here's one that that actually uh, sounds like something that could happen, um, not just in Hamilton, Ontario, where it was reported in Canada. It was a 911 call, and the dispatcher answers, "State your emergency," and the caller says, "I got a new phone for Christmas, and I wanted to be sure it was working." Anyway, um, that actually sounds like something I might have done but uh anyway as i mentioned we have a great show in store coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour we're going to talk with uh one of the writers from the rick riordan presents brand now rick riordan of course is uh, um, a well-known best-selling author but he has started showcasing um new or not very well-known authors um to bring some attention to diverse subjects, uh, some of the some of the writers uh, have diverse heritage, and bring that heritage into their writing. Like my guest today, during the third half of the three-hour tour, um, he is uh, 
a, a best-selling and award-winning author of Dragon Pearl. And um, his, uh, let's see, how do, how do you describe what, uh, what his works are like? Uh, it's, they've been called space operas inspired by Korean mythology. And his uh, new one is Tiger Honor by Yoon Ha Lee. And Yoon will join me by phone during the third half of our three-hour tour. And then we're going to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart uh, with um, a banker turned author. He's done some research and written a book called Untapped Talent, How Second Chance Hiring Works for Your Business and the Community. Jeffrey Korzenik is his name, and Jeff will join me during the the middle of the show, the second hour of our three-hour tour, to talk about his book and what he thinks about returning citizens and second chances and employment and, and how it can... Uh, um, Working in that field can create some win-win-win scenarios, and we'll talk about that and more coming up. Now, I was uh, planning to talk with um, John Daly from the city of Flint. Um, I was expecting John to call in this morning and be my first guest. I haven't heard from John yet. If I uh, if I do, we'll we'll make an adjustment. But what um, what we can do instead is um, talk about the Supreme Court, um, sort of a uh, review of 2021, and look forward to 2022 with our go-to guy when it comes to the Supreme Court. Um, constitutional law professor Brendan Beery. He hasn't been on the show for quite a while. I don't think it goes back to pre-pandemic, but uh, it, it may have been as much as a year since Brendan's been on the show, and he used to come on fairly frequently. I think we'll be talking to him a little more often um, now that the Supreme Court is, is meeting in person and um, conducting things the way they used to uh, a little bit um, more like what it was like before the pandemic and and we'll be talking about some of the controversial there are some some hot button issues before the supreme court currently and we'll talk about those and and uh, and lots more uh, about the supreme court and the state of the supreme court with uh, brendan beery from the uh, wmu cooley law school in uh, tampa and he'll be uh, joining me in just a moment or so. Um, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and, and uh, jump into that now. Here's uh, constitutional law professor Brendan Beery up next. <laughs> Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour, it's been a while since he's been here, but he's our go-to guy when we talk about things having to do with the Supreme Court of the United States, or SCOTUS, as I like to say. Um, he is a uh, constitutional law professor at the WMU Cooley Law School in Tampa, and uh, he's he's been a frequent guest on the show, but it has been a while since we got a chance to talk with Brendan Beery. Brendan, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. Um, let's, you know, it's it's January 2022. Everybody's mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, going through this big letdown about not being over COVID yet. But um, there have been some things that have happened with the Supreme Court that I, I guess I want to call it a, a almost kind of a gear shifting phenomena. There for a while mm-hmm. when they were doing Zoom meetings, it seemed like everybody was getting along and they all got back in the same room again and <laughs> the conservative side kind of exploded. Did I, did, am, am I reading that right? Yes. Uh, there are, finally, the ideological divide on the court has got to gotten to a point uh, where I think um, tempers are starting to flare uh, and particularly uh, Justice Sotomayor has been very sharp <clears throat> in the language that she has used. Um, you know, I, I think uh, what's happened is with, with the death of Justice Ginsburg and being replaced by uh, Amy Coney Barrett, there's been a, a shift of uh, influence on the court. It's, it's really interesting. <clears throat> one, one might think that John Roberts, the Chief Justice, being a conservative uh, Republican himself, uh, would have been happy to have, well, not obviously not happy to, to lose one of his colleagues, but would have been happy to have uh, uh, Donald Trump re, uh, you know, appoint uh, the next justice because, you know, because that would consolidate um, the right, uh, right-leaning uh, conservative majority on the Supreme Court. So six, you know, uh, th- there was a time when there was very evenly split. Six to three is not evenly split. I mean, that's a, that's a solid uh, block right there. But re- the reality is that John Roberts might have been the last person on earth uh, who wanted this to happen to the court? Um, because what it what it means is that he <clears throat> and you and I have talked about this only about a thousand times. <laughs> being an institutionalist, right? He's an institutionalist and an incrementalist and all that. Um, he's lost control of the court. Um, the uh, and he's so, completely so not, lost control of the court. It almost yeah. seems as if right. Brandon he's uh, become the new Kennedy. Right. Uh, I think that's the role he envisioned for himself, but now he can't even do that. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, because Kennedy, Ken- Kennedy uh, and when Roberts was sort of playing the role of Kennedy, they were still talking about a five to four court where, you know, the other conservatives needed, needed Kennedy uh, or before him O'Connor, right? They needed uh, Justice O'Connor to get to the five that they need. Uh, and until recently, they needed Roberts, <clears throat> right? The other four conservatives needed Roberts to get to where they wanted to be. Now they don't need him anymore because they've got five without him. Um, so this really, uh, th- this, this shifting of, of uh, the balance on the court has sort of left him hanging out with the liberals, right? As, <laughs> as, as, as an institutionalist, again, kind of a holdout, saying, look, we can't do things like overrule Roe versus Wade just because there's a new justice on the court as an institution we can't do that now there's no question that john roberts thinks that roe versus wade was wrongly decided there's no question about it um and if he had his druthers he would overrule it but if he if if he was going to put his ideology ahead of his judicial role he would overrule it um but he uh he is one of those people who uh who thinks okay personally i might be uh anti-abortion uh i i might even think uh that the roe versus wade was was wrong when it was decided but as an institutionalist he's going to say look my role as a judge is to follow precedent especially what courts call a super precedent 
uh, unless there is an absolutely compelling change in circumstances that requires right, uh, an overruling like that. <clears throat> so you've got not only a fight now between the liberals and the conservatives, but a fight among the conservatives because uh, you have Roberts on one side and it looks like the other five uh, fighting against him. Um, and so, yeah, so he's lost control in, in every sense. Uh, uh, he's lost control of the court that bears his name, right? This is going to be called the Roberts Court uh, when, you know, when the history is written. Uh, and this is not the way he wanted it to go. So, again, it's kind of ironic um, that he, he probably would have preferred that Joe Biden uh, replace uh, Justice Ginsburg rather than Donald Trump so that he wouldn't be in this position. Am, am I right in that there was a personality shift when when the new session started in October after all the time they had spent um, in in Zoom uh, mode uh, during the the pandemic and the various quarantines when they finally got back into the court that that somehow they relaxed into who they really were or. Um, is is there some correlation between whether they meet in person or whether they meet remotely? Yeah, and it's, it's funny, right? Because you'd think they would be. It would be uh, the other way around, right? Right. You'd think they'd be more cordial, right, in person uh, than they would be uh, online. But um, that's certainly the way it is for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, people get nastier online. Exactly. It's, uh, but. Um, there's been a shift. <clears throat> I'm not sure it has to do with the setting. Um, I think for a while there, uh, we were, you know, every now and then you'll get a question or a comment from, or, or, or even a ruling uh, from a justice like Gorsuch or Kavanaugh uh, or even Amy uh, Coney Barrett here and there where you're left to wonder, you know, how ideological really are they? Or are they going to be ideological? Um, and I think that Breyer, uh, you know, let's name from the liberals, right? Well, all of the, the three are, uh, <laughs> Sotomayor, right? It's easy to list them now, Kagan and, and Breyer. Um, you know, that I think that they were sort of sitting around thinking the same thing. Well, especially if, if you remember, uh, uh, Justice Gorsuch wrote the opinion, um, that said that sexual orientation discrimination is the same thing as sex discrimination under Title VII. So you're not allowed to discriminate against LGBTQ people in the workplace. So, I mean, that, that kind of ruling probably gave the liberals pause to say, okay, now, look, let's see what, what, these, what these new conservatives right, that were appointed by Trump, what they're really all about. More about past, present, and future of the Supreme Court with uh, constitutional law professor Brendan Beery. Straight ahead. The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh yeah Hello out there everybody, it's me, Tigger, T-I-Double-G-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annanick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about past, present, and future of the Supreme Court with uh, constitutional law professor Brendan Beery. Straight ahead. If it's not setting that contributed to the shift, mm-hmm. is it a matter of uh, people are, are teeing them up the right cases? Yeah. I think the tipping point was the abortion case uh, out of Texas. Um, now the gloves are off. Uh, and again, that, that includes Roberts. Yeah, because wasn't there one out of, out of Mississippi that was mm-hmm. somewhat similar, but they didn't take as much interest in it, and then all of a sudden Texas came along? Right, right. Yeah, so Mississippi uh, passed a law uh, with a, a, basically it's a ban on abortion after 15 weeks. Um, and now, <clears throat> just so everybody's clear, if the court were to follow its existing precedent, right, which is Roe versus Wade and the case called Casey, uh, and some more recent cases, Hellerstedt and a couple others, but <clears throat> under its existing rules, uh, a ban on abortion after 15 weeks is baldly unconstitutional um, because the, the court has said now repeatedly that the state cannot ban abortions until the point of viability which is around 24 weeks. Uh, and even then it would have to have an exception for the health uh, of the woman. Uh, so 15 weeks is way outside of that window. So <clears throat> the fact that the court even took it up, instead of summarily right, uh, uh, striking down the law, tells you that something's going on, uh, right? That, uh, that they, they want to hear the case, they want to hear argument, decided on the merits. If they were going to follow their existing rules, there would be nothing to decide. Uh-huh. So... Then along comes Texas, as you say, and decides to outdo Mississippi. Um, And they enacted this law that allows private citizens from anywhere uh, to sue um, anybody who assists a person who has an abortion uh, after six weeks. So that's, you know, that's even more outside uh, the 24-week. Brendan, you know, Mm -hmm. I've read things about that case, and I still can't get it through my head what the practical application of that is. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. There, and it is, it's very convoluted. Um, basically, uh, the, the way laws usually work, obviously, is that a state passes a law, and it's up to uh, the governor, right, and uh, local police chiefs, and uh, could be, you know, secretary of state or the warden of prisons, but right, some, some state officials... Uh, can be identified as the people who will have to enforce the law. So you know who to sue. Um, you know, if, uh, you know, let's say uh, a state passes a new law about um, how prisoners are going to be treated, <clears throat> and prisoners want to sue and say that's a violation of their rights. Um, they know who to sue, right? You, you, you go and sue the appropriate enforcement person, the person, you know, again, the, the the warden of prisons or whatever you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> what they did here was a clever little uh, workaround, um, which would be easy enough for the court to say, you know, we're not, we're not fighting on this. But uh, one, it was, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, it, this, this mechanism was sort of created by uh, one of the late Justice Scalia's former law clerks. Um, he said, let's, let's develop a scheme where nobody will know who to sue. There is no there is no state enforcement uh, mechanism. There's no identifiable state person 
who was assigned to enforce the law. Um, and if you don't know who to sue, <clears throat> and that's, that's part of what we call having standing to get into court to begin with, is you have to know, you have to, first of all, you have to be the right person uh, to, to do the suing, right? You have to be the person who is actually injured or stands to be injured. And you have to sue the person who's, who caused the injury um, or who you know is going to cause the injury. And so the Texas law says, well, anybody, after a woman has an abortion, anybody from anywhere can sue. The, so state, the governor stays out of it. The police chiefs stay out of it. Uh, the public, the state, you know, state health agencies stay completely out of it. All of the normal enforcement mechanisms stay completely out of it. <clears throat> We're going to leave it up to private people. Any private person from anywhere can sue and get a $10,000, you know, what people are calling a bounty. Um, if they can show that, you know, from this person, if they can show this person assisted a woman in getting an abortion, whether that person is the doctor, uh, another medical professional, the Uber driver, right, who took the woman to the clinic, um, it doesn't matter. So, but isn't that creating standing where none <clears throat> exists? That's exactly right. And that would never fly, or w at least one would have thought, <laughs> that would never fly in, in, the, in, the federal, in the federal court system. But see, Texas um, you know, enacted this law to govern uh, Texas, right, how, how things are going in Texas state courts. So, you know, state courts can have different standing rules than federal courts. Um, and so, so they're giving standing, right? They're, they're inventing standing for people uh, to get into state court, even when they wouldn't have standing, right, to get into a federal court with, with no injury. <clears throat> um, at the same time, they are, uh, they've invented a mechanism where nobody would have standing to get into federal court um, because you don't know who to sue. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the old Texas uh, two-step, I guess. <laughs> uh, but it's it's clever. But it's such a gimmick that you know, uh, you know. I, I mean, uh, Roberts, uh, you know, would say along with the liberals, uh, you know, come on, uh, we know what you're doing here. You can't you can't uh, circumvent uh, federal court review by you know deputizing private people to do what the governor <laughs> and other state people would normally do. And then, you know, and, and giving people who don't have standing, standing to sue in state courts. It's just not, it, it's, it is the functional equivalent of a, a ban on abortion in the state of Texas. And we have said repeatedly that you're not allowed to do that. Um, now, the fact that the other five, <coughs> right, the, the, all, all conservatives except for Roberts, seem, uh, are, are on board with letting this go, um, right? I mean, you can't you can't have an active ban on abortions in a, in a state the size of Texas, and simply let that fly unless you are seriously considering uh, either overruling uh, Roe versus Wade or at least modifying the rules to the point where there's nothing left of it. Uh, so that's that's where we are, and, and that's causing which you predicted you know, <clears throat> a couple of years ago would be the path mm -hmm. that would be taken that right. that they wouldn't overturn. Roe or Casey, but they would just gut them. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, th that's probably the best Roberts can pull off at this point. Uh, is well, just let, to me, say, look, let me say, I, I just noticed something mm -hmm. about Roberts that I, if I knew it, I had forgotten that he presides over the Judicial Conference, and as such, he puts out a uh, 
State of the Judiciary Report mm-hmm. every New Year's Eve. And right. in his most recent one, he said something that really caught my ear because of some of what you've been saying about Roberts and what's happening to him with this ideological shift in the court. Mm-hmm. He said, um, decisional independence is essential <clears throat> to due process, promoting impartial decision-making free from political or other extraneous influence. Is is he whining mm-hmm. a little bit there? <laughs> yes. Yes, right. It's, you know, it's uh, he he sees the danger ahead. Um and he's there's a couple things going on here. One is he's trying to hold off any any movement to reform the court, meaning add justices right to the court. Uh now, I don't think Democrats have the stomach for that anyway. Yeah, uh, I was going to so. say um you know, aside from you know, some, I don't know, fantasy video games. Is anybody really taking that effort seriously? Yeah, I don't think so. And uh, the the only caveat to that would be um, if, well, and this, this is, these are a lot of ifs, right? If uh, the court were to overrule uh, Roe versus Wade, then obviously you would have a new dynamic politically. Um, but I think you would also have to have Democrats somehow retaining control of uh, Congress. And right? I'm not uh, sure that's going to happen this year. No, <laughs> right, right. So that's why I'm saying these are some big ifs. Uh, you know, they they, um, they can barely hang on to control when they've got control. Yes, right. <laughs> There's there is so much working against uh, Democrats right now. You know, I mean. <clears throat> The composition of the Senate itself, with, you know, every state gets two senators, whether you're California or you're Montana. Um, right. So, I mean, there, there is a lot of overrepresentation of, of people who live in small rural states, which tend to obviously to be Republican. Um, so there's just a built-in disadvantage there for Democrats. Uh, then you have the Electoral College, right, where Democrats can win seven of the last eight uh, you know, uh, elections and still lose two, an, an, another two of them right? uh, because of the battleground states that are so razor thin. Uh, so that's another uh, thing they're always up against. Then there's gerrymandering because Democrats are good at winning the popular vote in national elections, but they are horrible at winning local elections. <laughs> so so all, the, all the state legislatures are controlled by Republicans. Uh, not all of them, but, but obviously most of them are. Uh, and they're the ones who draw election districts, and they draw them to the advantage of Republicans. So you can have a situation where, and this is easy to conceive of, where Democrats get more votes for Senate than Republicans nationwide. They get more votes for the House than Republicans nationwide. And they get more votes, popular votes, for the president uh, than the Republican nationwide and lose all three. Um, so they're they're looking at... Uh, structural disadvantages just to get in power to begin with. Then once you get in power, you have things like the filibuster, right? Which requires a, a, if you have a 50-person a um, majority, you know. Yeah, what's the 50- likelihood that they're going to get some kind of a timeout on the filibuster? Yeah. Have you heard this conversation uh, recently? It's kind of like, well, we're going to do a temporary suspension of the filibuster to get this bill through. I think it's budget-related, mm-hmm. but it could be <clears throat> right. uh, built back better. Um, 
but it almost sounds like we're going to take a time out on the filibuster. We're not ready to get right. rid of it, but mm-hmm. we'd like to get it out of the way for a minute. <laughs> right. right. That, that's yeah. not it's, realistic, is it? Uh, I, it's, that, that, it's completely up to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, right, because... Uh, the, the filibuster is not in the Constitution, right? I think I actually think a lot of people don't realize that. There's nothing... That's probably true. I I, I suspect yeah. you're right, Brendan, that a lot of people think that's a constitutional provision, right? right. And it's not. It's just an institutional rule um, with some <clears throat> um, questionable historical, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. Uh, well, I think they really kind of gutted it when they when they changed it to. Uh, you know, a paper filibuster. Right, right. Yep. That's, you know, we're uh, not going to see yeah, any Mr. Smith goes to Washington moments. Exactly. Under right. the new rule. Right, right. That's exactly right. The, the closest we had got was uh, Ted Cruz reading Green Eggs and Ham uh, to try to stall <laughs> some legislation at some point. Uh, but, but no, I, you know. Um, he picked the wrong, being, he picked the wrong time to go to Cabo. <laughs> yeah, Oh God, some some questionable judgments there, uh, but um, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to get a change in the filibuster rules. But but they only need a majority to do that. Uh, but they don't need a supermajority to change the Senate rules. Uh, and so that's why Schumer now seems to be getting serious about it. They're, cause they're not going to get voting rights legislation through. <clears throat> There's not a single Republican who's going to support. Voting rights, not well, even Romney. Let's let's talk about um, voting a little bit because um, in in Michigan, as you know, having spent a lot of time here, um, there was uh, passed a, a provision, like a lot of other states around the country, to set up an independent uh, redistricting commission. And they've just come out this last week or so, uh, last couple weeks, I guess, with their projected list. I mean, the the list is done and, for all intents and purposes, signed off and and ready to put into action uh, Mm -hmm. for this election year, I think. And there are some people primarily in the Detroit area that are concerned that it has created fewer black majority districts mm-hmm. and they're arguing it's going to result in litigation in litigation right. brendan that's that's really where it's going and ultimately it could end up at the supreme court my question mm-hmm. is has the voting rights act uh, and their rationale for litigating is that it's in violation of either the constitution or the voting rights right. act and right. my question is um has the Voting Rights Act and subsequent SCOTUS rulings with regard to majority black districts mandated or built into law a a provision for some approved gerrymandering in the redistricting process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a couple of Supreme Court uh, cases that would make it very difficult uh, for for people challenging uh, these districts. Uh, well, actually three. So first of all, you have the Shelby County case uh, that Roberts wrote himself. And that's, that's the case where the court struck down Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, which required states 
the states with histories of discriminating to get preclearance from the Justice Department at, at the federal level before they could change their voting rules. Um, and that, that case and is that quite included now. redistricting, right? Um, yes, right, exactly. Uh, so uh, you know, now states don't need you know you can sue on the on the, the back end if you claim that there's been a voting rights act uh, a violation, but states even states with a history of discriminating don't need preclearance to change the rules and uh the reason that case is now so famous or i would say uh, many would say infamous uh is that john roberts in that case and that was i don't know eight or ten years ago something like that um essentially declared an end to racism uh in the united states and you know it's just it's not a problem anymore so congress might think it's a problem but we don't think it's a problem so this is no longer appropriate you talk about legislating from the bench <laughs> uh, and and so that's it so they struck so so even roberts has no use um you know for for uh any argument that suggests the existence of racism uh in in uh our voting uh <clears throat> then you have the rule the supreme court laid out that if if you are going to allege racial discrimination and districting, uh, you have to uh, show not just that there's a disproportionate impact on an ethnic minority group, but that the impact was intentional. And as, as every lawyer knows, it's very difficult to show intent. <clears throat> um, so so in, in a constitutional uh, well, and especially in a case like this, Brendan, where, you know, best case scenario, a computer just maps out a grid for a particular state, breaking right. it into equal parts based on the number of people within those parts, and exactly. and then let race and party fall where it may. Right. Yep. So that would be really hard to show intentional discrimination and that's what that's the standard that would have to be met um and if you're claiming partisan gerrymandering uh the courts won't even hear that they've said well that's the that's a that's a question that's beyond the ability of courts to solve you know because all districts are politically gerrymandered or, or not all but many many districts are politically gerrymandering uh, gerrymandered you know no matter which party's in charge well let's um let's <laughs> shift gears in years here a little bit we've been talking about how 2021 showed a shift in the uh, ideology of the court and and a shift in terms of technology as they move away from doing remote um, mm -hmm. uh, sessions to being back in person in the court in and um, and that seems to be kind of the big story of 2021 is that the court's back in session and mm -hmm. um, that there's been this ideological shift but a lot of the cases they've hearing that they've been hearing controversial as they may be they have not handed down decisions on yet right and and right. so they've been in session since october <clears throat> now we're into 2022 there's four or five i think five months left of uh their session um what are the things that we're going to see what are going to be the big headlines in uh, the first half of 2022 from the yeah, Supreme Court? the, the there I, I think three issues one is the abortion issue we've talked about yeah. uh it's, it's going to be just a huge it's going to be it's probably going to overwhelm everything else um but there's also a second amendment case uh that we're, we're still waiting 
uh, for a decision that uh, involves a New York ban on uh, carrying weapons in public. Um, if people are familiar with the Second Amendment uh, Supreme Court cases, uh, Heller and McDonald, uh, those cases said that there's an individual right to own a handgun in a home um, and limited their holding to that. Uh, so that, that leaves open the question, what about outside the home and what about other kinds of weapons you know, that, are, that are more destructive than handguns? And uh, so now we're, we're going to see if the Supreme Court is going to expand Second Amendment rights to include the right to carry outside well, and, the home as well. And one part of that is the <laughs> idea of gun-free zones and, and how giving mm-hmm. permission for people to carry guns publicly impacts that. You, you know, they have famously in, in Texas, you can carry a gun anywhere unless they have right. a sign-up that basically mm-hmm. says, check your guns at the door, or, you know, however they handle it down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this idea that... Um, you know, bar owners can't say, you know, firearms not allowed on these premises. Uh, schools, you know, can't say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, is that is that going to be a problem if this uh, if if they go against this this ruling in New York? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, you know, it depends on the scope uh, of their ruling. Um, you know, I, I it's it's hard to say where they're going on this. I mean. It, <clears throat> You know, you have, um, what, uh, concealed carry, you have open carry, uh, you know, I, I don't know which one, uh, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to address both or only one of those, um, you have the, uh, the issue I mentioned of, of other kinds of weapons that that's eventually going to be litigated as well. I mean, uh, and, you know, and quickly, the, what's, the, what's the third yeah. item that you think is going to be big, uh, during the rest of the yeah. session? The, the 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 next one the last one is going to be uh executive privilege right the the former tr- uh president's claim of executive privilege to uh to shield himself uh from investigation about the january 6th uh insurrection so over the court's going to have to decide whether a former president can invoke executive privilege and uh i think that might be an easy call for them the answer would probably be no um but that's another big uh, case they're going to have to decide as well have any past former presidents uh, tried to exercise that? No. Uh, as, as in so many cases, Donald Trump has plowed <laughs> new ground here. <laughs> so, uh, that's never been tried before, as far as I know. Well, let that be his legacy. He, he charted new territory. <laughs> right. Um, Anyway, right. we've we've got. I can't believe how fast this time has gone, Brendan. It's been way too long since we've talked, and and uh, I don't know how much of that is uh, my fault or the fault of the Supreme Court, but um, <laughs> but I think yeah. we're going to have lots more to talk about in the months to come, and I hope you'll come back and we'll, we can talk some more. Absolutely, be happy to. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Brandon Beery. He is a constitutional law professor at the um, WMU Cooley, uh, Cooley Law School in Tampa and a uh, our, our go-to expert on the Supreme Court of the United States. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh. 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Whiplet Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hear ye! Hear ye! The coat's in session. The coat's in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Stop being that fudge. Cause here come the judge. Don't nobody budge. Cause here come the judge. Judge Shorty is presiding today. And he don't take no stuff from nobody. No kind of way. Hey boy, take off that hat. Where do you think you're at? I know where you gon' be if you don't eat my weed. I'm here to tell you. of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. She wheels her wheelbarrow through streets that are narrow. Her barrow is narrow. Her hips are too wide. So wherever she wheels it, the neighborhood feels it. Her girdle keeps scraping the homes on each side. In Dublin's fair city, where girls are so pretty, my Molly stands out cause she weighs 18 stone. That's 256 pounds. I don't mind her fat, but It's not only that, 
but she's cockeyed and muscle-bound, Molly Malone. I know a man, his name is Lang, and he has a neon sign. And Mr. Lang is very old, so they call it Old Lang Sign. <laughs> oh, what have you done, Billy Sal, Billy Sal? Oh, what have you done, Charming Billy? You took almost every cent from the U.S. government, which you spent on fertilizer, which is silly. All day, all night, Cary Grant. That's all I hear from my wife is Cary Grant. What can he do that I can't? Big deal, big star, Cary Grant. Oh, the moon is bright tonight upon the car wash. So I'm having my Volkswagen washed again. But the way things go with me, the way my luck runs, just as soon as they're finished, it will rain. <laughs> On top of old Smokey, all covered with hair. Of course, I'm referring to Smokey the Bear. Here's a famous old folk song that you all know entitled Aura Lee. Every time you take vaccine, take it orally. As you know, the other way is more painfully. My grandfather's clock was the best ever made by the Timex Company. Just like the clock John Cameron Swayze displayed last night on the old TV. Oh, it works underwater so perfectly, and it still makes a ticking sound, which my grandfather tried only this afternoon, and that's how the old man drowned. Do not make a stingy sandwich pile the cold cuts high. Customers should see salami coming through the right. Oh, I diet all day and I diet all night. It's enough to drive me bats. Got no gravy or potatoes, cause the whole refrigerator's full of polyunsaturated fats. Fairly well, Metrical, and the others of that ilk. Let the diet start tomorrow, cause today I'll drown my sorrow in a double malted milk. When you go to the delicatessen star, don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. I repeat what I just said before. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. 
Oh, buy the corned beef if you must The pickled herring you can trust And the lox puts you in orbit A-OK But that big hunk of liverwurst Has been there since October 1st And today is the 23rd of May So when you go to the delicatessen store Don't buy the liverwurst Don't buy the liverwurst Don't buy the liverwurst It'll make your insides awful sore Don't buy the liverwurst Don't buy the liverwurst This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program Staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side you on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride I'll see you on the other side It's not the same without you here to this phone so tight Then I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side See you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.